Well, we are um, excited about the public conversation on censorship finally opening up. We're nervous that the Supreme Court may not give us the ruling that we want on Missouri v. Biden. And so we are very excited to hear that you're proposing this legislation to, to prohibit federal government employees from demanding censorship by the social media platforms. It was kind of interesting, even before Missouri versus Biden, we had this thought. We had this thought that really, from a First Amendment point of view, and I remember there was a smart alecky response from one of the high ups at Twitter saying, we're a private company and we can say whatever we want. That is true. I do, I do agree with that. I think that private companies should not be censored by government but at the same time, I don't think government should be cooperating and kind of using uh, private companies to be their, uh, you know, their, their proxy to do the censorship. And so I think we have the ability and the obligation, actually, to regulate the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and have them not meet. And we had that idea before the judge sort of came down in the preliminary ruling and said they should no longer be meeting and that this is the real problem. Um, we were excited that the appellate court upheld it, but also excited that the appellate court at first took Department of Homeland Security out of the lawsuit, but has put them back in. And so is your understanding that when this gets to the Supreme Court, the decision will be about both Homeland Security and FBI, whether they can meet with uh, social media companies? Yeah, that is, that is our understanding. That's our hope as well. And we're doing an amicus brief, the Twitter files journalists. Uh, with a very good constitutional scholar, and we're going to try to introduce the new findings from the CTIL files, which show you know UK and U.S. military contractors uh, engaging not just in a censorship operation but a whole disinformation operation. So we want to get some of that um, out there. But we're looking for a long-term solution that makes that is consistent with the First Amendment. And you had a debate with uh, Senator Romney that we watched. And he was arguing, well, we shouldn't do your proposal because that would restrict uh, what government employees can say. What's the state of the legislation right now? You know, uh, we have uh, Jim Jordan has sponsored it in the House. And interestingly, the new speaker is an original co-sponsor of the legislation. So it does have friends in high places in the House. And that's a good thing for moving it forward. Um, as far as doubtful Republicans, there still are some doubtful Republicans. And we haven't gotten any Democrats to sign on to it. And it's still my hope that in some way they'll eventually be shamed and you know, become aware that they used to be great defenders of the Second Amendment. And there's some in the, in the journalistic the category. What's that? The First, Amendment. the First Amendment. But there's some in, in the journalistic category, I would say, who are Democrats or came from the left. Uh, Matt Taibbi that you've worked with, also with uh, um, you know, Glenn Greenwald and others who understand this. But it's disappointing that progressive Democrats don't realize that the First Amendment used to be their pride and joy. You know, they used to be really some of the best defenders. Um, when the FBI was going after civil rights protesters, when J. Edgar Hoover was a scourge, the left was so good at criticizing him and the right wasn't so good. But now everybody still seems to be deluded by Trump. If any of this seems to be associated with Trump, they don't want anything to do with it. But you also have some senators and, uh, you know, Chris Murphy, I've worked with some and I think is reasonable on some things on foreign policy. But on this, he is gung-ho that the government needs to be doing, doing more censorship and more involvement in misinformation, not really getting that, you know, misinformation's in the eye of the beholder. You know, that's, right. that's a conclusion. Um, but the weird thing is, is that I would never, there's not one ounce of me that would ever think that I should censor the other side. Like on COVID, which I've been so involved with, with uh, whether it came from the lab or animals, the interesting thing is, is there's not one person on the side of the debate where I am that it came from the lab 
that believes we should in any way censor or stop the people who believe in, in it coming from animals, or that we should completely exclude the possibility that it could come from animals accidentally. And yet the other side's the opposite. They really, from the get-go, have thought, let's try to suppress any kind of notion that this came from the lab. And I really do think, you know, there was an organized, you know, I wrote a whole book on it, you know, Deception, the Great Covered Cover-Up, that there was an organized cover-up by government to disallow any kind of information that uh, suggested it came from the lab from even being exposed. And, you know, one of the, uh the co-authors of the Section 230 Communications Decency Act um, is Senator Ron Wyden. Yeah. Um, have you reached, I mean, we, I know that from reading this new book on uh, the free speech by Jeff Kosef, which I highly recommend, Liar in a Crowded Theater, he talks about how Wyden is, is someone that still feels some ownership over Section 230. He's really good and strong on 230, and he'll do anything, even when people talk about some scurrilous bad thing that everybody's embarrassed about that's on the internet, he'll defend Section 230, and I'm proud of him for doing that. But he's sort of in a different place on the speech aspect, you know, on the misinformation, malinformation. They just, they think for some reason, oh my goodness, we're going to save lives by preventing people from giving out misinformation. But if you follow the history of sort of scientific knowledge with COVID, things shifted over two years as people became more knowledgeable. I felt from the beginning that the masks weren't very helpful. People then said they were helpful. And then when the Cochrane analysis finally looked at 78 different randomized controlled studies and concluded the mask didn't work, I think more people kind of came around. Um, that woman who's a scientist or the doctor on CNN, uh, Leah Wen, she eventually came out and right. said, you know, cloth masks are nothing more than decoration. She finally admitted and owned up to this. But so many of the others haven't. And it's funny because they haven't really looked at it. Like I had a debate with Chris Mursby on whether or not our pages, the Senate pages, should be forced to be vaccinated three times. And you go through the detail of it, and they just want to, oh, we need to pay attention to the scientists and let the scientists make these decisions. But, well, you have a brain. Let's, let's think about this. Is it worthwhile? Is the risks versus the benefits for a young person to get a third vaccine? There's really no good science that says that. And, in fact, there's a really big unknown question that we should learn. Let's say uh, you were vaccinated twice, and most people over 65 did get vaccinated. This is the untold story. Most of it was voluntary, and 97% of people over 65 chose to get vaccinated at least twice. Well, then the question is, then they got COVID twice. So it means it's not a perfect vaccine, but it doesn't mean it didn't help them. It might have helped them. But now the question is, and we have the data to tell you, if you've been vaccinated twice, you're over 65, you're somewhat at risk for COVID, but you've already had it twice, what are the odds that you'll go to the hospital or die if you do nothing else? I think we know the answer, and the data is probably pretty close to zero, if not zero, unless you have some other uh, superimposing health problem. But they won't tell us that. They just say, go get another vaccine every three months. And it makes us then wonder, are these people simply become salesmen for big pharma? Right. You know? And in terms of, the, in terms of your legislation, which, I totally, which we support and I, we, we want to see passed, um, but obviously is having some difficulties you know, even getting through um, with other Republicans, is what about the idea of just requiring uh, government officials that that ask for censorship or, or or flag information? What if there was just a way that you required them 
to uh, publicly report that they made those requests? Instantaneous reporting? Reporting would be better than nothing. Reporting yeah. won't stop them from doing it. And so I guess we're just not as excited about just reporting. We just think they shouldn't be doing it because think the mischief, because this got to be, and you've reported on this, the industry of this, it's like, it's so big and there's so much work involved that they had to sort of keep farming out and getting bigger and bigger and then getting the election integrity project, then getting Stanford and all the, the work entailed. And then even Twitter, you know, as you guys reported, Twitter then says, gosh, this is so much work, will you pay us? And it's like, yeah, here's $3 million, right. do this. But there's a, you know, it's so extensive and so pervasive that I'm worried about them being involved with speech. And so the way we wrote our bill is that they can't be involved uh, for constitutionally protected speech. Because what you'll get pushback from like Christopher Ray or people from the FBI is like, well, what about child pornography and what about terrorism? And my point is this, those are illegal things. Those, there's those laws against illegal. those. Yeah. And so we're fine with you communicating with Facebook to let them know there's child pornography somewhere on Facebook. I think Facebook already knows that and tries to police it themselves. But uh, we don't want them getting involved with the discussion of where the virus originated, whether masks work, whether vaccines work, whether vaccines are better for older people or younger people, all the nuance of that needs to be debated. Um, so I guess I wouldn't be too excited about a reporting pro uh, reporting requirement. I think they'd disobey it, you know. Well, that's, they might, well, they might disobey it, although they might also just disobey, I mean, they could equally disobey a prohibition on. Well, we have penalties. In our bill, we have some pretty significant penalties, and there had been previous bills. We tried to make ours better. Um, I believe you can be fired or will be fired in ours. There's monetary fines for doing this. And it's interesting, Lee, as much as you think government is lawless, occasionally they actually will, when they're told what to do, quit doing something. So in Missouri versus Biden, when the injunction comes from the first district judge, there were actually news stories saying the Biden administration has